What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have a very special episode today. We have Erica Grinker on the call, and I'm so excited. You guys probably recognize that name. She is a Life After Miscarriage OG podcast (laughs) guest. She was from the very beginning. And Erica, why don't you kind of start off where we left off and just update us because a lot has changed. Uh, so much has changed. So hello. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm super pumped. Um, the last time we chatted, I believe, was in December. And I was in the thick of going through our third loss. Like You were literally we... going through your, your third yeah. loss as we were talking. Yeah. As we were yeah. speaking, things were happening. And oh, goodness. It's been, what, seven months? Something like that. Quite a bit has happened. We decided to do IVF. We moved forward with that. And we're pregnant. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how else to to put it. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of in between. It was a lot of IVF. It was a lot of treatment. It was a lot of doctors. And now it's been a lot of snacks and getting fat. and (laughs) Snacks. (laughs) That has been... Yeah, that's kind of the that's the big update. I mean, so I mean, so much along the way, so much emotion, and it's been a complete and utter roller coaster. But yeah, in a nutshell, that's kind of where we're at. How was the IVF process for you? It was hard. It was. I think it was harder than I was anticipating, just because I had been through so much treatment up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um. It was a lot harder emotionally, I think, for me anyway, because I was so used to all of the drugs and the shots and the appointments and the blood work. It's by no means easy, any of it. It was like already routine almost. Right. For me, yeah. it, was, it was like, okay, I've done this before. Now I just have to do it again. But emotionally, it was really, really tough because it's expensive and you're quite literally putting all of your eggs <laughs> in one very unpredictable basket and it was one of those things that I felt like I had to do it for me like I don't know if if Zach felt the same way I just felt like it was something I had to do so that I could say we tried it yeah so I and I was convinced it wasn't going to work because nothing else had so for me it was really emotional it was really trying at a really difficult time just being in a good mental space throughout the IVF journey. But I think that I handled it as well as somebody could handle it, I guess. I mean, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough to think about now because it's like when you're going through it, it's so different than I know. And if it was a bad, if it was a different result, I mean, I can't, my perspective of the whole thing might be totally different. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't know. It, It was, it was tough. Yeah. But it how was, was it? That. How was it like getting that call that like with your HCG levels? 
Oh God, it was nothing like I had anticipated. Like I want, I pictured it being this big, beautiful, like tear filled, like, oh my God moment. And it was nothing like that. Like she called and she was like, okay, so your number, I think my number was like 86. I had gone in a few days early. I had a little bit of spotting from the vaginal progesterone they had me on. Um, And it triggered me to call early. I was going to say spotting would totally trigger me. Yeah. I was like, that's it. I'm getting my period. It's over. It's done. Mind you, I'd had positive pregnancy tests because yeah, I totally wasn't waiting to take a pregnancy test. Come on. <laughs> I still, I think I still have some of them. I mean, how gross is that? <laughs> I still have some of them. Like, how gross is that? Like, God forbid Zach ever goes through like the second drawer of my vanity. Right. <laughs> God forbid. But yeah, I mean, I had gotten those positive pregnancy tests. I saw a little bit of spotting. It obviously triggered me just from what I had been through. And I called and I said, I want to come in. She said, okay, you know, it's probably just from the endometrium you're on, but come on in. And they called me and they're like, well, it's positive. Your number, I think it was like 86. And I wanted to be like more excited, but it, it meant nothing to me in that moment. It meant nothing because I've gotten that call before. I've gotten that positive beta before. I've, I've had all of those excited, like hopelessly naive emotions in the past just to have everything come crashing down on me. So by this point, I was so emotionally guarded during those phone calls that I didn't feel anything. It was completely numb. Yeah. And then the second phone call, when the numbers doubled, I think that's when I was a little bit more excited, but I was still incredibly nervous. I was still like, well, what did my progesterone come in at? And she's like, well, we didn't test your progesterone this time. Because as long as it's good the first time, we just kind of assume that it's good the second time, as long as your numbers double. And I said, no, 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 no. If they still have the sample, please check my progesterone. I need to, like, I was just neurotic. It's just crazy. Yeah. The third phone call, they, the numbers, like, almost quadrupled. And she congratulated me on the phone. And that was my big aha moment was when the nurse congratulated me over the phone. I was like oh, they're confident now. So now I can be confident. It was a big sigh of relief for me. And I think that's when I got really excited because then it was only a few days till I got to see what was going on inside of me. And that was what I was looking for. Like I had never been to the point where I could, there was something tangible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then we found out we were having twins. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I want to hear all about this. We went in for, so once your levels get to be like over, I don't know if it's like a thousand or 1500 or something like that, they bring you in for a vaginal ultrasound just to locate a gestational sac. Like you're still really early. There's not even technically a baby or an embryo or anything growing. It's just a sac. And they, they, you know, Zach was with me and we're in this room and she's looking and she sees the little sack. And Shelly, I immediately saw that second sack, (laughs) like immediately. By this point, you know what you're looking for in these moments. And my face probably went 10 shades of white because I was by no means expecting both of them to stick. Yeah. I knew what we were getting ourselves into by transferring two embryos. (laughs) I was not expecting to see two sacks. And Zach's face was stark white, too, because he saw what I saw. 
And the nurse was not acknowledging it. She was focused on this one sack. And she like moved the wand and it flashed the second. I go, wait, 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 is that a second sack? And she said, yep, it looks like there's two. And she moved the probe back and still focused on that person. I was like, whoa, wait, wait, you have to pump the brakes, sister. Like, <laughs> can we talk about We, we need to talk about this. <laughs> we need to just, we need to have a chat. Like what's going on? Um, so it was really, really, it was exciting. And it's incredible how attached you become so fast to the idea of, having two babies I was like this is it we can like our family can be complete what a great like family of four this is what people dream of is the American dream blah 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 um <laughs> you get so attached to the idea so quickly and I think Zach had like two cribs picked out in the target online shopping cart that night I'm like good lord <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was it was exciting it was nerve-wracking and terrifying and exciting and everything all at the same time um, to know where we had come from in such a place of loss and just, you know, sadness and just struggle and to know that we were going to have two babies. It was just incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. So how far along are you now? I'm just a smidge under 18 weeks. Which is oh, my gosh. Do you know gender yet? We're having a boy. Oh, yeah, duh, I knew that. <laughs> I wanted everybody else to know. <laughs> no, I really forgot, but I totally knew that because I was like, yes, I want I, everybody t- to have a Little boy boys. I, yeah, because I have a boy. But. I remember we talked about it, like, really early on. I feel like I was, like, seven weeks pregnant. I was like, did you do the sneak peek? And you're like, yeah. Oh, I, go, yes. when did, I was like, when did you do it? You're like, on nine weeks. And I was like, literally. perfect, that's when I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, literally. And I think I, it was funny. I brought it up to you. I said, well, I'm worried about the dog hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny because I actually was too just from being a dog sitter right like I was like so worried about and then I was like gosh if I get a boy result I'm not gonna believe it because if you look into it like yep. the boy if you get a boy result there is more room for error and like oh gosh but okay walk us through like up until the 18 weeks like kind of just what all happened and your mindset and everything. So we went back after that first ultrasound, which is just basically confirming that the baby is where it needs to be or they are where they need to be in our case. Um, We went back in, oh, geez, I want to say it was maybe two or three weeks later. And this was my last fertility appointment with my fertility clinic, unbeknownst to me going in. Um, And they saw that one baby had continued to develop and they call it vanishing twin syndrome. Super common. Um, Sometimes just everything goes right. And just that embryo isn't as strong as the other. Long story short, one baby developed. It was a ball of emotions that day because it was like we had already become so attached. We were super excited and super grateful Mm -hmm. to have one healthy baby. Um, And I think we were kind of lost in translation. Like, how are we supposed to feel? What does this mean? And especially after going through your losses. Exactly. Because in any other circumstance, this would be like devastating. Yeah. But you have to be devastated and completely thrilled because now you're hearing a heartbeat on Mm -hmm. one baby and processing that. It was just very bizarre. It was a very strange space to be in. Um, And then on top of that, I was leaving 
the only doctor's office I had known for almost the past two years with no like prior knowledge, which was really a lot more emotional than I thought it was going to be. So you you become really attached to these nurses. I mean, they're there with you through some of the hardest and most devastating moments of your life. And the doctors are great. And it was just, it was very emotional. And then I didn't have an appointment again set up with my actual OB. They wouldn't see me until I was 11 weeks. And so much happened between like that, that seven and a half, eight week mark and that 11 week mark. Um, and the fertility clinic told me, you know, until you meet with your OB, you're technically still under our care. So if anything happens, just reach out. And I was eight weeks and three days. And I think I have a video up on YouTube about it. Um, I'd gone to bed. I always took my last dose of progesterone around 11 o'clock at night. And I had gotten up out of bed to go do my last dose. And I was bleeding. Like not spotting, not brown, not pink. It was like I started a period. That's terrifying. Like nightmare. It's a literal nightmare. I mean, yeah. So I'm like shaking. Zach's half drunk downstairs. <laughs> I like remember you saying this in your YouTube video. <laughs> it's like Friday night. He's half. He had had a few beers, and it's like eleven o'clock. Like whatever. I don't care what he does. And I'm like, Zach, we have to go to the hospital. He's like, what? I was like, you need to make yourself a sandwich. I have to call the doctor. I'm bleeding. We're going to the hospital. So a long story short, baby was fine. I had what's called a subchorionic hemorrhage hematoma. I think they're interchangeable. It's basically a pooling of blood in your uterus, something to do with when the placenta starts to form and attach and detach. Um, it was causing the bleeding and they didn't seem concerned which was really frustrating. The doc, my fertility clinic didn't seem concerned. The emergency room didn't seem concerned. I felt like I was the only person that was worried that I'm bleeding while I'm pregnant. And basically there's nothing you can do. I mean, in these moments you learn really quickly when, when you're pregnant after going through a lot of treatments, you learn really quickly that there's not a whole lot that can be done when you're pregnant. Yeah. You just have to be pregnant. Mm-hmm. And you just have to let what's going to be, be. And that's the hardest part for me. Yeah, totally. So you can't do anything. Like, I'm bleeding. I want to fix it. What do I do? What pill? What shot? What, mm-hmm. what test? What procedure? Like, what can I do? And they're like, "There's you can drink water and put your feet up. And hope that's, for the best. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. It was terrifying. So I continued to spot from that until I was 12 weeks, which made even just acknowledging this pregnancy really difficult for me because it was like this impending doom, like a little black cloud following me around every time I went to the bathroom, every time I, I, I pulled my pants down and I saw what I saw. It was this reminder that something still wasn't right. Like I had gotten this far finally and something still wasn't right. So I wasn't filming videos. I wasn't talking to my like friends and family about it. I would barely acknowledge the pregnancy to Zach. I, I, I really shut down about it. I think I, I think mentally it was the hardest part of the last two and a half years for me was that time frame between those four weeks between eight and 12 when you're spotting and you're pregnant and you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I feel like so, especially because like you lost 
the one twin. You know what I mean? Like exactly. Like did that had to have instilled some fear into you even more so than you probably already had fear or no? You know, I don't know that I ever kind of thought about it like that, Shelly. I, I think that just – it felt like a separate pregnancy after I left, after I okay. lost that twin. It felt like something completely different. Um, I had become attached to the idea of twins. I kind of grieved and got over the idea of twins and became really attached to having one baby. And then I was dealing with the fear and the constant like in your face reminder that you could lose this baby too. So I don't think, I guess it could have maybe subconsciously yeah, instilled a little bit of extra added fear. But I think when you, when you're coming from miscarriage and you have lived it and you know it, you're just always, there's always that level of yeah. fear. There's yeah. still that level of fear now. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it hasn't gone away. I think that I cope better now. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was really tough up until 12 weeks. Once I stopped spotting, once I went for our nuchal, what is that? The nuchal translucency. I'm the worst word pronouncer. I, ever. I was like, don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> the worst word pronouncer. But once we had that test done and we really, now the baby looked like a baby and you could see him moving around and kicking his legs and flipping and flopping. And Zach is like tear filled eyes. And now I'm crying because he's crying. And I'm like, this is really happening. I think that's really when this whole, it really hit me then. Yeah. When you could really see that this was, this was a person now, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, that fear really did get a lot better for me once I stopped spotting. Yeah. Oh, I bet. And then between 12 and 18, I mean, we went for an early gender scan just because we did do the sneak peek, but I was, I was just like you, I was like, mm, it's a boy. I'm not going to tell any, everybody it's a boy. I'm yeah. going to tell Zach, but. Like, what if there was a dog hair? Uh Uh-huh, totally. I don't know. (laughs) So we went for the the early gender scan at just, like, an off-site clinic. And he was – the baby was really stubborn. And I could see, like, his little personality, just, like, a flicker of it. And he's just like, I'm not – I don't want to be photographed right now. No pictures. I don't – not spreading my legs for you, lady. (laughs) Get away from me. (laughs) Just being really stubborn. And it was just, you know – that was at 14 weeks and that was really exciting. And that was kind of when we were sharing that we were pregnant and we were pregnant with a boy and we announced his name and everything became really real because now other people know, um, which was really hard for me too. Mm -hmm. Like acknowledging it to other people and having other people acknowledge it to me. That's, I think that's the hardest part. It's so hard. Like it's, just to say the words, like, like, oh, do you want a cup of coffee? And, and I'm trying to be really good about how much caffeine I intake because I am a caffeine junkie. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not anymore. Oh, do you want a cup of coffee? No. Really, Erica? Yeah, I'm, I'm pre- pregnant. I'm pregnant. But then I'm they pregnant. don't get it. Yeah. Then they don't get it, too. They're like, so what? You're pregnant. Have a cup of coffee. It's like, after you've been through loss, a cup of coffee means so, some don't very under- different things. You don't understand. I really want it, but I'm going to say no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just. So that was that was up to like 14 weeks. And, 
you know, between 14 and where I'm at, first of all, right now, I can't believe we're two weeks away from halfway. I know. Insane. I'm starting to like get a very full belly now. I had some extra room to begin with. So I, I'm not one of those people that showed really early and had like this cute little tiny, like 13 week <laughs> belly bump. No, no, that wasn't me. Um, and I even think I said it on YouTube. I was like, I'm not going to show you my bump because it's not a bump. Like, let's, <laughs> I'm not going to pretend like my belly is a bump right now. But I can really tell now that, um, like, my belly is getting fuller and getting more hungry. Um, I just kind of feel like a, like a lump. Yeah. <laughs> just like in that in-between stage, you know what I mean? Um, my body is definitely changing, which is it's really cool, but it's also been really difficult for me. And I'm sure you can relate because you have come from such a place of like fitness and health and, you know, your body was always, you know, you were always really fit and then your body changes so much when you're pregnant. And, you know, people don't understand too, when you go through fertility treatments, your body changes. So I had gained, I don't know, maybe between like five and 10 pounds just doing like IUIs and, you know, Femera and Clomid and all of these other like oral medications. And then we moved on to injectables. And then when you go through IVF, they pump you full of everything. And you're, I gained like between, I think it was like 12 pounds I gained. So all together, I'm up like 20 pounds to begin this pregnancy. And I'm like, I'm just going to keep getting bigger. I don't, what am I going to do? You know, it's just really, it's, it's been difficult. I'm getting better about that too. I'm just kind of like let go and live. Yeah. That <laughs> is, is hard. Is. I mean, that is hard though. Like it just, it's so quick. It just happens All of a sudden. so quickly. Yeah. yeah. But are you feeling any movement yet? Um, <laughs> sometimes I think I do. Sometimes I think like I don't. Little flutters. Yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah. that was that. What was that? That was a weird, strange twinge. Like, is oh, that just I, gas? <laughs> yeah. Did I just ovulate in my uterus? Because that's what it felt like. This little pop. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm. Everybody keeps saying, "Well, you'll know for sure." I, I'm just. I just don't know for sure. That's where I was at at like 18 weeks too. I like would feel something, and I'd be like, "I think that's." I think that's movement. Yeah. And I think it was like 22 weeks where it was like definite movement. But that brings a whole new reassurance for like us women after a loss, I feel like. So I'm excited for that for you. Yeah. We, um, I have another YouTube friend who, um, she told me, she's like, are you going to get a Doppler, like an at-home Doppler? And at the time I had toyed with the idea, but I hadn't committed to it yet. Mm-hmm. Well, a week later, I, it was on its way like, <laughs> in the mail. <laughs> so you've been using that? Um, I do, but I try not to be like super crazy about it and do it like every day. I'm probably use it about once a week. I was nuts. What, yeah. Did you have one? Yeah, I used it every day. Did you? Well, I mean, you gotta do you like. And I talked to the doctor because then I panicked. Like, oh my gosh, am I like hurting the baby? Right. By using it every day. And then the doctor was like, if it's helping your anxiety, your anxiety is worse than what you're doing. So just do it. I was like, okay. Yeah, I wasn't, I don't use it every day. It's probably like once a week. Good for you. Sometimes twice a week. It's just, I'm really trying to like 
be as zen about it as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And I know for some people that's that's impossible. Like mm-hmm. they have to have that reassurance, and I completely support that. I just I it's one of those things too. Like it was really frustrating for me with the Doppler at first. Mm-hmm. I have some extra fluff. When you have a little extra belly, it's harder to find the baby's heartbeat when they're small. So I would get really frustrated with myself and Zach would see how frustrated I am. And then I'm frustrated at the baby and I'm like, why am I frustrated with him? He's not doing anything wrong, you know? And it's just one of those things where at first it was causing a lot more anxiety, I think, to use it more frequently. Yeah. So I think I set up a a standard for myself, like, okay, we're going to try once a week. Mm -hmm. If you can't get it that day, you can try the next day Mm -hmm. and you can keep trying until you find it, but you're going to find the heartbeat once a week. Mm-hmm. And as I've gotten bigger, it's easier to find the baby. Now I can find the heartbeat every time I try. Yeah. And it does give me that reassurance and that peace of mind because some days are a lot worse than others. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. Like nothing. I don't know that I have like a trigger or anything. It's just yeah. some days you just wake up and you're like, oh, am I going to have this baby? Is this baby going to live? Like, it's just like this crazy, it's crazy. Yeah, it's really hard to change the if to the when. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh That's a a great point. It totally is. And I wonder how often um, people, women who haven't struggled through miscarriage and they just get pregnant, I wonder how often they have these thoughts, too. Because I feel like it would be, like, almost impossible not to, even Mm -hmm. if you haven't had a previous loss. I think it probably depends on, like, if you've been around less too. Yeah, you're probably, yeah, that's like if you've really never really seen it and you've never really heard about it. Right. Like if you're 19 not... and if you're 19 exactly. and you've, you're very naive and you don't really know and you think it's this thing that doesn't happen all the time that in reality happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. they're not thinking about it or maybe, you know, those thoughts don't cross their mind every day. Yeah. So it's been a, it's been a good it's been a good pregnancy. Like I'm, I'm, I can't say like I've had such a difficult pregnancy. You are probably through what you have gone through. (laughs) You are probably the only person that that would say that. Or I suppose somebody who is living with life after a loss is the only person that would say that (laughs) because I'm pretty sure somebody who's never had a miscarriage and they had the pregnancy that you've had, they would not be saying those same words. I would honestly do it all over exactly the same if I didn't have, I was so sick. Were you sick with Ryan? Not, not horribly. And that was hard, actually. Oh, oh, that you weren't sick? Yeah, I really wanted to be sick. Oh, my, that's, it's actually kind of funny that you say that because every time I would be upstairs getting sick, Zach would be outside. He's so cute. He'd be outside with, with a glass of water. And he said the same thing every time. Babe, it sounded like a bad one. And I'm like, <laughs> they're all bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good throw up. And he's like, well, at least you know that Lincoln's in there and he's doing his job. And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, you're so funny. I like so dry sweet. heaved a lot. Like I would just kind of get a little bit like, and I would dry heave and I was like, oh, thank goodness. Like it was like just this weird thing. I was like, right. thank goodness, I'm feeling so shitty. No, but I, I would didn't. be like, I would be physically ill. Yeah, no, I didn't have a lot of that. And I remember being like, I wanted it. You it wanted so to be odd. sick. Yeah. It's so weird. I, I but... suppose I would probably have been the same way because there was days when I wasn't sick. 
Mm-hmm. And, I would and then it would be like, oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, Zach, I'm not sick today. Yeah. He's like, he's like enjoy it. Or that transition from first trimester to second trimester and you start feeling better. Oh, girl, by then I was just – Honestly, I was like, there's going to be a hole in my esophagus. <laughs> I can't take this anymore. <laughs> and they say it's worse with a girl. And I'm like, good God, if I had a girl, who would have? <laughs> but yeah, by then I was just exhausted of it. And I had been through so much with the bleeding and the spotting. And that had finally stopped. I didn't stop like really being sick until I was like in the second trimester. So after 14 weeks. Mm-hmm. It was just really sick. It was just so sick. Well, I'm so excited for you. Oh, thank you. I'm, yeah, you're halfway and it's just amazing. And you've been through a lot and you've been so vulnerable and open with all of us, which is really cool. And you guys, I'm going to link her YouTube in the description of this episode because it's really great. And for those of you who are still going through loss, like backtrack to some of her older videos because they'll be so helpful. So um, Erica, if you had like one piece of advice, I always ask this <laughs> or um, any woman going through this, what would it be? My advice last time, you know, I think it still reigns true. Honestly, you just have to keep trying if yeah. it's what you want until you're ready to not, mm-hmm. you have to keep trying and you'll know when you're ready to take a break or to take a step back. You know, nothing is going to stop for you. You have to make the choice to stop. So you just have to keep going. If there's something that you feel like you need to try, you have to advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. I didn't think I would ever be the person that did IVF, ever. And I told Zach one day, I said, I'm getting a second job. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, no, you don't understand. I'm going and I'm getting a second job. And we're paying for IVF. And we're doing this because I have to say that we tried. Mm Mm-hmm. So you have to try. It's not, it's, you know, it's one of those things. Infertility sucks and nobody's going to do it for you. You just have to keep, you have to just keep trying. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Erica. Of course. Thank you. I I missed you. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. I'm I'm so grateful to, to have been able to come back and share the positive side of this darkness that is bringing some hope to us all. (laughs) for sure thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your instagram stories tag myself tag my guest so that we can personally thank you this is a lamb fam you guys we're not in this alone we're creating this ripple effect together 